Hi, welcome to This Is Your Book Club podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Jamie. Welcome back. Hello, friends. So fun to talk about books today. I have a list. A long list. See, we have swapped. Yeah. Because now I've only had time for like a couple. A couple. And I had a weekend where just, I was just telling Sarah this, it just so happened that the books that came available from the library that was on my list were all very short books, like three hour, three, four hour books. So I got through a lot really quick. That's kind of nice to see like them add up. They really, I it kind was of like, like boom, that boom, feeling. Boom. Yeah. I read a lot. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. I just did three books this weekend. What did you do? Anyway. Totally. It was really, they weren't long. They were good, though. So Awesome. Um, I have quite a stack to talk about, so I don't know if I'll get to the ones I just read, the short ones this week, um, but those will be on the upcoming episode. I love it. So stay tuned. Before we talk about what we've been reading, do you have a fun fact for us? I do. Our author, Ethan Joella, who is the author of our book for April, A Quiet Life, um, that just recently came out. Uh, he, I found a couple different interviews with him, and he is he. This is his second book, so kind of an unknown author, or maybe a little bit um, just newer coming up, not as common name on. Maybe he hasn't done a lot of like interviews. Yeah, I haven't heard yet. a lot about him. Yeah. But he's really fun. The few thing the few interviews I've read. Um he's fun. I'm excited to read this book. Awesome. But he the the interview that I'm gonna refer to today is called uh thenerddaily.com, which is a <laughs> super fun website. I actually started looking through it a little more. Um and I'm quite enjoying it. But they um, interviewed Ethan Joella and asked him, t- first of all, um, when did you first discover your love of writing? And he said, I remember writing and illustrating a poem when I was seven years old called Spring, and I can still recite most of it. My cousin was a teacher, and she Xeroxed a big stack for me, which I distributed to relatives. My aunt Stella, who was in her 80s, took such an interest in my writing. She asked the local newspaper to publish my work. I also tried to write a script for Growing Pains a few years later. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love this so much. Um, He never heard back. Oh, (laughs) bummer. Um, And he kept writing stories and poems whenever he could afterwards. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really fun. I thought that was just really, really fun. And they the next question they asked him was tell us the first book you ever remember reading and one that made you want to become an author and when he his first book that he ever remember reading on his own was Beverly Cleary's Socks and i remember reading the my very first chapter book and thinking I was so cool. And he says the same thing. Like, I remember thinking I was so grown up. Because you read but a chapter I can book. remember. And it was like Freckled Juice or something along the lines of a Beverly Cleary book. And I just, I, that, when he said that, it just put me right back in. I remember even sitting in the car in the parking lot, waiting for my sister to come out of dance, reading this chapter book, thinking I was so cool. That's awesome. Just funny little memories in life. Right. That just popped Associated up. So, with our yeah. lovely books. Yes. Right? So oh, I love that. Yeah, such a good good memory. So I loved Fudge a and Super Fudge and Freckle Reader Juice. and so. writer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, cool. That's really yeah. cool. 
Fun. I will give you more snippets from his interviews um, in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. That's super fun. So, Jamie. Yeah. You should go first. What? Because I only have a couple. Okay. So, tell me, what have you been reading lately? So, the first book I want to talk about today is called The Good House by Anne Leary. Why does that sound familiar? The Good House. Um, That's a really good question. What is the cover? It came out in 2013. If this is like... I don't even know how this got on my radar recently. Hmm. Yeah. I also think it sounds really familiar. And and Leary, the author, sounded really familiar. So Uh then I was like, oh, maybe I've read more by her. And so I looked it up. I have not. She has other books, but I have not read anything else by her. Um, Some of her other books were um, Outtakes from a Marriage, An Innocent Abroad, Huh. The Boundling. The Children. The Children. Really familiar to me. But I haven't read any of them. And so yeah. as I was kind of looking more into her, she is married to Dennis Leary. Which, Why does that sound familiar? Right? Um, when I read that he she was married to Dennis Leary, it made it sound like I should know who that is. Uh-huh. Again, I don't oh. know who Dennis Leary is. It sounds like probably someone who's like an, an actor. actor. Yeah. I was just going to say let's that. Let's see. Let's look it up and see. Dennis Leary is an American actor. Oh, yeah. I know um, him. You'd recognize him. He's in... Um, he was he's a stand-up a comedian? Yeah, he's a voice in Ice Age. Ah. He's in the Sandlot. Okay. You'd recognize anyway, him. Anyway, so Anne is his wife. So if okay. that gives you any why it maybe sounds familiar. Um, I didn't. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah. Okay, okay. So let's talk about Anne. But The Good House, <laughs> I loved it. You did? I loved it so much. What is it about? So Anne is um, a grandmother, a mother. She's a new grandmother. So she's kind of probably in her 50s-ish. Um, she's divorced. She's still friends with her ex-husband. He This is the character in the story. Th- this is the character in the story. Did I say Anne? Yeah. So I was Hilda. like, is this Sorry, not like Anne a herself. No, 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 no. story, like a memoir? Okay. Let me okay. go back. The main character is Hilda or okay. Hildy. And she is divorced. Um, a grandma of a two-year-old. She's got a two adult children. She lives by herself. She lives in a small town and she is a really prominent realtor in her small town. And so she is very well known about the place. She does really well with her business. And about town during the day, she looks like she's got it all together and figured all of life out. But at night, behind closed doors, she is battling alcoholism. And to the extent that her kids had done an intervention and she did spend some time in rehab taking care of it. And so this is post rehab. She's got things back together again and is doing great or so it seems to everyone around her. So this kind of just shows the um, juxtaposition of appearing look. Like you've got things together and that you've been to rehab and, you know, her inner thoughts of when she walks in a room is, you know, are people saying things like, oh, there's she, she's an alcoholic or people watching every move. Like if she were to drink something that looked like alcohol, what are people going to say? Like she feels like eyes are on her constantly. Yeah. And, um, and, and it kind of just shows the lies you tell yourself when you think 
one drink won't hurt or I should be able to have a little sip in the evening like everybody else does, you know? Yeah. Why is this everybody else's, you know, deal? Treat. It's mine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, Nobody mm-hmm. else needs to even know what I do this. And so oh, it kind of yeah. just shows the her inner thinkings um, with this battle in life. Wow. It has, she has a ex-boyfriend from high school who still lives in town because this is a small town. She grew up in this town and there are just these little characters in the town that she interacts with. And you really just feel like you're part of this town and that everyone in this town, you kind of know someone who's like that. Uh. It is just very, very relatable. And even though it's on a topic of alcoholism that could be really heavy and hard, Hilda is funny. She's kind of got this dry, dark sense of humor. I laughed out loud. I was sad for her. I was, you know, rooting for her to do better and be better and for herself. I just loved it. I gave it four stars. I highly recommend it. The Good House by Anne Leary. That's awesome. I also got through it really, really fast. That says a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway. All right. How about you? Well, I'm going to start with my least favorite book. Okay, let's we'll get, get it that out of the way. Out of the way, exactly. Okay. Um, this book is called The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. It this is on is, my list. <laughs> this is a new release. It came uh-huh. out in February. I think it's like a book of the month club pick. Uh-huh. Um, I have been looking forward to it since I saw the cover. It's really intriguing to me and just the idea of like going away on a writing retreat and what in the world could happen there. Uh-huh. I just think I am fascinated by retreats. Like yeah. anyway, I was really excited. I had very high hopes um for this book. And I will say it didn't take long for me to be disappointed. I hate saying that. Oh, the bubba. story is about um it's from the point of view of the main character. She is a single woman. She you learn at the beginning that she like had a friend breakup, which mm-hmm. I actually thought was a really great topic. Like I loved the idea of exploring like how that works when you mm-hmm. are no longer friends with someone who was like your best friend. Right. Okay. So it starts off with that. They are, they haven't spoken for years and you don't really know what happened, but there's this relationship that they're trying to that you're trying to understand and it's happening in the background. It's affected her life. It's totally isolated her because her friends, she feels like picked her best friend and not her. And um, she is at work and she's not really excelling at work and she's a writer, but she's had writer block since this happened. So she's not been able to write. And most of her friends are writers. That's how they've like connected was Uh because they all would share their writings together. They would do little get-togethers and share their stuff and give tips and advice and critique and everything. And it helped them become better. It was, uh, it sounded like a very cool thing. Um, she has a favorite author. Her and her best friend, her ex-best friend, had the uh-huh. same favorite author. And this author is a little bit of a recluse. You don't see her much, but she just seems to put out amazing book after amazing book. Like, just nonstop and this they is just adore so her, relatable right like so far the premise i know they okay. adore her and this is all happening like in the first very short portion of the book mm-hmm. and she she came out uh earlier in the 
in the year or even like the year before saying she is going to host a writing retreat and it's time she feels like it's time for her to give back this author to the writing community okay yes and so she's going to host a retreat you get to go and stay at her home and work with her write and then have her help influence your books and then you will get a a deal a book Mm -hmm. deal and the winner very cool Super cool. And she's going to pick five people to come. You had to submit like writing samples and all this stuff. It was secretive. They weren't going to announce who got to go. It was all going to be very secretive. And she gets a call from, so main character gets a call from a friend saying, I submitted your writing and you get to go, but it's in two weeks. You have to go in two weeks. It's like short notice. Someone else dropped out and they've decided to take take you you. at the last minute. So she goes, the downside was that her ex-friend was going to be there too. Mm. She was also chosen. So it's, you then go to this retreat and all the things that happen there. There's five authors that are chosen to come and you get to meet them. They're all female and they all are very different. And um, you learn about their mentor and what, you know, she what's all, what she's all about the kind of person that she actually is since you don't really know her you just mm-hmm. I, idealize her right right so anyway it's very very fascinating all of that i loved yeah. but it kind of turned um into like a sh- the main character is trying to figure out her sexuality or she's questioning her sexuality and am i a lesbian or am i straight or do you know and then it became like these experimentational moments yeah. in the book that were just crazy and really extreme and had nothing to do with the plot. With like the plot of the retreat. What in the world? Like why didn't you just stick with this really cool plot line that I loved? Yeah. It actually like it would it was so surprising and out of nowhere that I it detracted from the book and it made me frustrated. Like I'm like, no, this isn't the book I'm reading. Like if that's the book that you're gonna write, write that book. That book. These are two different books. Yes. And it didn't, didn't seem well to me no, it was so weird and I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that it was done. And I mean the writing was good. Like the story, you know, that part was uh-huh. fine. I just I was so like put off. I don't even know how to try I and at first I thought this is just my own issues like that I'm having with this or something. But the more and more that it happened and the more scenes that she threw in, I was like, no, I don't care if it's a girl and a girl or a girl and a boy or whatever. A boy, this is like really weird and it doesn't belong here. Huh. And I hated it. And so wow. I gave the book two stars. That was a really long, but I felt like you need to understand why. <laughs> That was a super long explanation. No, that's good because we have two star reads sometimes, right? And and I think that's uh, fair, especially when you see a book that's on so many lists. So many. I will say that, like when it first came out, it had like really high ratings in the Uh fours. Yeah, and now it's It's at three point five. So it's getting more negative stuff. Not that I want it to, or I don't want a book to fail. I just. It really wasn't your cup of tea. No, and I just think everyone should be forewarned. Like, that part of the book was good, but yeah. be ready because there's there are, you know, more than I wanted scenes that were completely irrelevant and unnecessary. Like, they did not belong in that book. It did not add to the story. Pretty explicit? Is that what very you're leading to? Very explicit. explicit. Okay. And just weird stuff. And it just didn't – it did not – bring meaning it did not bring like direction it was crazy it did not make sense at all hit the mark no 
Oh, well, good. I'll take that one off my list. It sounds like well, me. two stars for me means I'll let you make gotta, that decision. I'll move on to the next. <laughs> I've got a lot of other books to read. So there you go. Um, good to know. There you go. Okay. My next book is The Nature of Fragile Things by Susan Meisner. I this was actually recommended to me by my mother in law. Okay, she read it and thought it was good. And I concur. Awesome. It was a great book. It came out in 2021. So just a couple of years ago, it's a couple of years old. And I thought it was a very interesting historical fiction takes place um, just prior and during the earthquake that rocked San Francisco. So it's 1906. Oh. And another little thing in there that I love, like if we had talked about a book you should listen to, um, for St. Patrick's Day, we've got <laughs> ourselves the perfect one because her accent really? is just so fun to listen to. Oh, I love that. So, um, the main character was uh, an Irish immigrant. She was she immigrated here because of some things that kind of unravel some some issues that she had back home in Ireland. She immigrates um, to New York. And things are just really, really hard in New York as an immigrant, working really hard, conditions were awful, um, living conditions, working conditions, and she just wasn't going to be able to get anywhere. And so she is, she takes um, an offer to a man who is desperate for a wife, a single man that has a daughter, he needs someone to help care for his daughter. And he... I don't know what it was, like how she got in contact with this guy, some ad for a wife, and she got a hold of it, and um, they corresponded through letters and whatnot, and then she decided to come out to San Francisco and to marry him. So she comes out on a train, he picks her up from the train station, they go to the county building, get married, Wow! and then she goes home and meets his daughter, and she just jumps right in, and she's thrilled with this arrangement. Okay. She no longer, he's well-to-do, so she's not worrying about where her next meal is coming from. Yeah. She's in clean housing conditions, She's got. she's always wanted a child, she's got this daughter. Now, the daughter has, um, she doesn't talk. Oh. She could, but she quit talking because oh. of some traumatic experiences. Her mother has died. And so um, she is working with this girl and slowly getting her to come out of her shell and start speaking more. Hmm. She has this, it's a weird relationship with him. Like they're friends. They're not really, it's not like love at first sight. Like this isn't, this is a almost. partnership. Exactly. And she starts to un, ravel some of his like some things that just aren't making sense for him like okay maybe he doesn't appear to be who she thinks he is and it turns out that um this woman shows up at their store at the door and this woman all of a sudden has just turned the story upside down oh about what and who she's really married to as she finds all this out, the San Francisco earthquake hits. Oh, no. And the city is just destroyed. And if it wasn't destroyed by this earthquake, it was then destroyed after by the fire. So it talks about all of this, like how 
upside down the city went and the turmoil of it and getting to safety and they couldn't live in their homes anymore and the streets were ripped apart and then the fires were going everywhere and like how easy it was to lose people. I mean, there were no like cell phones or anything to track people down. So they had bulletin boards and you would list, you know, I'm here. This is where I am. Come find me. So you would go and just look for your relatives and loved ones on this board. Anyway, so all of this is unraveling in the midst of this absolute disaster. And it I really liked it. You it was a great glimpse into a little piece of history of um San Francisco, but yeah. also just a really good story of like desperation, what we do when we're absolutely desperate and yeah. what we're willing to live with that seems better than what you had before. And how sneaky and conniving some human beings can be Ew! i will leave it there i really want to read that i I just added it it. to my list that is crazy i thought it was great the nature of fragile things by susan meisner okay awesome all right um the last book i'm going to talk about today is is hellbent by lee bargudo Wow. I've never heard that last name. Um, Bardugo. She she wrote another popular book called Ninth House, which I also spoke about on I've the podcast. I've seen that cover before. Mm-hmm. I have never read it, but you have. Okay. Yes, I've read Ninth House. So this is the second one in that in the series. series. So okay. uh, Ninth House came out in 2019, and um, Hellbent just came out in January okay. of this year. So it's the second book in the series. I don't know how long the series is planned to be, but I don't think it's over yet. I will say that. Um, This series just in general is kind of, it's, it's kind of cool. It's about a college campus. Um, I think it's even like Yale Ivy League, right? It's like okay. an Ivy League. It's Yale. But they talk about all the different Ivy Leagues are kind of connected. This one is specifically at Yale. Um, how they have like a magical house. Like the ninth house is magical. And um, in this portrayal of the magic, it's not always as clean and pretty as we hear in fairy tales, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't, it's not just a twinkling of a wand or something that simple, you know, magic, there's a price to pay for magic and it's not pretty. And we learned that a lot in the first book. This is a continuation of that. Um, one of the characters in the, at the end of the last book seems to have died or at least been taken to hell Mm-hmm. But they they just think he died, like he's gone now. But um, the main character doesn't believe it and won't believe it. And they kind of work together to try to pull him out. So they spend a lot of this book trying to find their friend mm-hmm. um, from the last book and save him from this awful tragedy that's happened to him. Because they feel like it's their fault that it even happened. It shouldn't have happened to him. So um, – I don't want to spoil a lot, especially if you haven't read the first book. Mm-hmm. It's I liked this one better than the first one. That's really unusual. I know. I will say that. I, wow. I that really liked it. It's a long book. Mm-hmm. Like, settle in. 
Um, but there, and there's a lot going on. I, because it was like a new concept in the first book, there's lots Uh of things happening and trying to understand like the rules of this magic. Like, I feel like that happens in all the books. You kind of have to understand like, oh, what can you do? What can't you do? Where are your limits? And it's always different because it's someone else's imagination. Right. 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 Um, it takes me a minute to kind of like, okay, okay. I see what's happening here, Uh but now I understand it. In this book, I, you could jump right in and I, you know, that part was already there. And you're learning a lot more about the history of these characters and like maybe what got them where they are, which I really liked. Um, and they gained a little bit more confidence. It was very new in the last book. They're still trying to learn it and understand it. Now they're gaining some confidence. I really liked it. So now it sounds like you're even more excited for the third book. I would be excited for the third book. I saw this come out in January, like I said, like when it came out and there were it, there was a lot yeah. of hype around it. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll probably read it. I read yeah. the first. Right. Um, but yeah, I think if the next, when the next one comes out, I'm sure there will be another, I would be excited. I'd be like, oh, look, it's there. Like, I would be excited. Now, it's it's a darker take on magic. Like I said, like, there's blood sacrifices. There's some weird kind of stuff that they do to mm-hmm. to be able to have magic and to, like, create the magic that they're trying to, things they're trying to do. So beware of that. It's okay. kind of weird. Yeah. And it's a little dark. And and so it's it's adult magic. Okay. This is not for middle school kids. No, 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 no. no it's no. A, it's okay. adult magic. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. Um, but I but I did really enjoy it. I was totally wrapped up and enthralled in this little world of Yale and that's- the magic happening there. Yeah. Very cool. How, tell me again how many stars you gave it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gave it four stars. Four stars. I gave it four stars. And it's called Hellbent by Lee okay. Bardu- Bardugo. Awesome. Yeah. I might have to go back and read the first one. I don't know. It's not like my, not it's a my different genre. Yeah, genre. it's a different genre. It is adult ma- like it is magic, but it's real life. Like it's just kind of it's just added in. It's just like one of their talents. It's like learning, I don't know, history. Yeah. But you're doing weird but seances. The history of magic. Right. Kind of learning those things. Okay. Sounds good. All right, my last one today is Shoe Dog, a memoir by the creator of Nike. Oh my gosh. By Phil Knight. Cool. So cool. Really? This is not, I, when I say I'm a shoe person, I'm a shoe person like, give me Birkenstocks, give me Doc Martens, give me, you know, all the non- Nike athletic shoes that are I'm not really an athletic shoe person I mean I own them but I'm not big into Nikes like a lot of people are okay okay um so this is not one I mean I've seen this book before and I was like oh okay and didn't think anything of it it was recommended to me by a friend who was like you it's just a really good story and it is a really good story. Okay. So Phil Knight, so in he started his company when he was a senior in college, he had to do a like a project, a thesis type thing on uh starting a new company, how like the whole ins and outs like how you would do it, what your idea is, what a business idea is. And he at the time, the tech industry was just blowing up and China was was able to make the tech industry blow up because they were able to produce things for so cheap. Oh. So such an expensive endeavor at the beginning. I mean, it still is, but became 
cheaper and more, more doable because China was able to um, do it for so much less. Right. So he took that same idea and thought, why can't we need to apply that to something else? What else could we apply it to? And he ran track in college. And so oh. he was like, we, track shoes, there's not a lot of track shoes out there, running shoes, athletic shoes. And let's see if we can design some athletic shoes and use this newfound China business model and mm-hmm. do it for cheap. And so that was his presentation. He never thought anything more of it except for presentation. But once he graduated from college, he was he didn't want to not he he felt like he didn't want to be a sellout. He didn't just want to go work for a business. Yeah. He wanted work to be fun. Okay. And like he tried some different things and it just wasn't and it was just kind of disappointing life was becoming disappointing as an adult and so he decided okay i'm going to try it i'm going to try selling shoes and he borrowed 50 dollars from his dad and started this shoe company and it wasn't called nike at first he he was like okay i'm gonna go on a world i'm gonna go all over i'm gonna go all over europe but while I'm in Europe, I'm going to go to China and have some meetings and see if this is something that's possible. What? Wow. Who does who even? How would you know, like, like who to talk to you just, to have meetings yeah. with? There's no internet. There's no like you. Wow. He buys a plane ticket at the airport. He's like, who makes shoes? And just goes and starts asking questions and finding out who to go meet with and going to tour factories. Wow. And he so he gets. Um, there's this company in China that has this shoe called Tiger, these Tiger athletic shoes. And he orders some of them. He has to, that's the money he borrows from his dad and to have them shipped here. And then he goes back home and he's waiting like months and months and months for this shipment to the point where he thought I've totally been duped. They've taken my money and these shoes aren't ever going to come. Okay. The shoes show up and he sells them out of the back of his car at track meets just like this is how we and then he hires uh somebody to go to do it with him like here i'll fill the back of your car with shoes you go to these track meets i'll go to these track meets and they just start selling these shoes literally out of the back of their car wow and then it just grows from there and what i found fascinating about this is like you look at nike and i think it said it was like something like a 30 billion dollar company right now yep it was on the brink of failure for like its first 10 years. Wow. This book is honestly just him scrambling to not fail. Wow. Constantly. Constant, constant, constant borrowing to borrow and borrow against borrow and finagling and wow. all these things. Like it is, yes, it's a super well-to-do company now and it does very very well and everyone knows the swoosh and it kind of talks about how the swoosh mark gets in there and how it came to be called nike and all of it but it wasn't always super successful and there were times where like one of their first offices was too cold to even work in in the winter and they couldn't afford to fix the windows it was just freezing and air came in through the windows and so they would work from home during the coldest months of the year because they couldn't actually physically stay in their office. It was too cold. Oh my gosh. Like just crazy, crazy 
bottom of the barrel hard work. I am going to read this. I'm excited. I gave it four stars. I thought it was really good. Um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Cool. Yep. Highly recommend. I love that so much. Yeah. Thank you. books today. Right? Yes. Like, I just really enjoyed talking about those (laughs) and hearing about them. That was good. Um, Thanks for listening. If you've read these or if you have recommendations, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at thisisyourbookclubpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and subscribe. Share with your friends. Thank you to Amphibious Zoo for our music. And we'll see you next time. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. And, and this, this is, is your, your book club. club.